This is the Word of God from the household of David Church. It is a message designed to raise men after God's own heart. Listen and be blessed. Genesis chapter 1 verse 14. The Bible says, can we read it together? One, two, let's go. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So this morning, I just want to attempt to share a thought, to expand and expand on a particular thought. I'll call this season the moment, or just call it time. Praise the Lord. The Valley of Ella is a very popular valley, very popular in history, and very popular in the scriptures. Um, if you are a student of history, one of the things you must have read about is the battle between a man called Saladin and the Knights of the Crusades. Um, happened around the 12th century. That battle happened in the Valley of Ella. And there are lots of other battles, Syria, Cyprus, lots of battles have happened in that particular valley because of the strategic location of that valley. From that valley, you can easily access Judea, you can easily access Israel, you can easily have access to lots of very sensitive places, all right, in the Middle East. So it's a very strategic, not the biggest, not the most popular, but it's a very strategic valley. And in the Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 17, we read about the story of a battle that happened in the same valley, the battle between well, the Israelites and the Philistines, but actually became a fight between David and Goliath. Um, if you read that portion of the Bible, 1 Samuel 17, you begin to read that the Israelites gathered and the Philistines also gathered. They were on one side, the Israelites were on the other side, and there was the valley of Elah between both of them. After waiting for days, the Philistines decided that they were going to send their strongest man um, to go into the valley and ask the Israelites for something that was popularly called a single battle. So Goliath decided to go, and the Bible explains and describes that Goliath was a man about six foot nine, uh, you know, tall. He was six feet nine, very, very tall. That's massive. And the guy went there. The Bible tells us that he held his spear, was dressed as one of the very mighty warriors that he was. The Bible describes to us that a man stood before him to take and carry his shield, showing how massive Goliath and the shield must have been. And Goliath got to the valley and spoke to the children of Israel and consistently for about 40 days taunted them and mentioned to them that they should send forth one man to come fight with him. Whoever would win the fight, um, the person who lost, he, he and his people, of course, he might be dead by that time. But his people would serve the opposing side. And he shouted, and the Bible says that the children of Israel were afraid. It's amazing because when they describe Saul, the king of the Israelites in the Bible, the Bible describes him as a man, heads and shoulders taller than every other human being that was in Israel at that time. So Saul was tall. But Saul knew his limitations. <laughs> so Saul did not go to fight this battle. Neither did any member of the children of Israel step forward to fight this battle. But David was sent by his father 
to go give his brothers food. And the Bible tells us that when David got there and heard Goliath misianning and talking dust, the Bible tells us that David got so angry and said, why is this man defying the armies of, of God? And David asked the soldiers, he said, what shall be given to the person who goes to fight this guy and defeats him? The soldier said, well, the king has said, number one, the family of that person will be very rich because we'll give, the king will give lots of money to the family of the person who defeats this man. Number two, that that person's family will be free of taxes. And number three, the person would marry the king's daughter. We do not know what motivated David, whether it was the money or his family or the daughter. But I, I can assure you that if I was David, and they are told me that if I killed Goliath, I was going to marry my wife now, I will go and fight. I don't know about you, but I will go and fight. All right? But we do not know what motivated David. Honestly, we do not know. But David said, you know what, I will go and fight. He might have been using armies of Israel as a cover-up. But he went into the battle and he decided to go fight. When they took David to Saul and they said, this is the person who has said he wants to go fight Goliath. The Bible says Saul looked at him and said, are you sure? That guy has been a man of war from his youth. And you, you're only a youth. And David recounted his testimonies, talking to um, King Saul. said, when the lion and the bear came and took one of the lambs from the flock that I was I'm attending, that I went after the lion and the bear and I slew them. King Saul had never killed a lion nor a bear in his life. <laughs> so he said, what? You did that? He said, okay, you can go and fight. He said, but you know what? <laughs> Looking at that man, let me wear, give you my armor. And the Bible says that when David wore the armor of King Saul, he couldn't move. So he told um, King Saul, he said, you know what, sir? Just take off the armor. I'm fine the way I am. Picked five smooth stones and proceeded to fight Goliath. Now, where, the way we read the story is that David went, fought Goliath, of course, threw the stone, killed Goliath, Goliath died, right? And David won the victory. But it's amazing that when you study that story further and you study history, then you understand some of the things that happened behind the scene from which I want to start drawing my lessons, which, from which I want to speak to you today from. Number one, I would like you to understand that in ancient times, the armies usually had three categories of soldiers. The first were those they called the infantry. The infantry were those who held a sword and a shield. Of course, from the story, Goliath was one of the infantries. Is that okay? The second category of people or soldiers that existed then were those who they called the cavalry. The cavalry were those who rode horses or who were in chariots. Most of the times, kings were always very good infantrymen, but at the same time, when they are going to war, they were always with the cavalry. Now, the third category of soldiers, very dangerous sets of people, were those they called the artillery. The artillery were the archers and the slingers. The archers were those who used the bow and arrow, yeah? And the slingers were those who they were experts with stones and a sling, what we call catapults now. <laughs> a stone, and they would wreck a lot of havoc. Now, it is the technology of slinging that has been modified into what we call a gun now. Because 
You see, while to engage somebody who was in the infantry, you had to come close to the person to fight the person. And Goliath thought that that was the kind of soldier that was going to come to fight him. So he was going with a spear, a sword, and all of that. But David changed the narratives and changed the game. Because David was not going to fight him as an infantry. Even Saul thought David was going to fight him as an infantry. That's why Saul was giving David all the armor. But David was going to fight him as a slinger. And as a slinger, from a distance, you can take off your target. You didn't need to get so close. Are you hearing me? Now, David went into battle. And if you read the Bible, it's very funny. Goliath says, why are you coming against me with staves? That's like sticks. Was he not seen properly? Did David hold any stick? No, he wasn't holding any stick. Because, well, there's a lot of history around that, but it's not my direction this morning. But David was coming against him with a sling and a stone. David understood his strength. And he leveraged his strength to defeat Goliath, regardless of how big Goliath was. And the Bible tells us that when David ran towards Goliath, just one stone looked for this particular spot where Goliath was vulnerable, which was his forehead, and game over. The battle was won. If you happened to watch that movie, like that's one of the movies I would like to watch when I get to heaven. I would say, God, just show me David and Goliath. If you happen to watch that movie, all you'd have seen was, hey, David just arrives. Hey, Goliath. And, you know, the, the stone enters into Goliath's head. And Goliath says, hey, this boy. Ah, I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm dead. That's what you see. To be a slinger requires a lot of practice. You must have invested a lot of time into being a very accurate slinger. And herein I start the message this morning. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5, talking about Jeremiah, God said, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And you see, meaning that before you arrived in your mother's womb, I had a purpose for your life. I knew you. As a matter of fact, I equipped you to be able to fulfill that purpose for which I was sending you to fulfill. I have said this before. The way life works is that every single individual arrives on the face of the earth the day that their purpose needs them to arrive for that purpose to be manifested and fulfilled. And that's why we celebrate birthdays. Tomorrow is Sister Angela's birthday. And that's why we celebrate birthday. So she'll be celebrating her birthday tomorrow. And Director G is celebrating her birthday today. But you see, nobody arrived on the face of the earth accidentally. Even if other people told you that you are, you are, you are an accidental birth, we didn't plan for you. God planned for you. And God knew the day he needed you to arrive on the face of the earth for your purpose to be fulfilled. And everything about your life is tied to the reason God sent you to the face of the earth. Including the things you are naturally very good at and the areas that you need to develop. Every single thing. God orchestrates it that way. Praise the Lord. So, Jeremiah 1.5 lets us to know that before we arrived, 
there was a conclusion. Before our conception, there was a conclusion in the mind of God concerning us. However, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 tells us something very, very interesting. He says to every what? To every what? To every time, sorry, and okay, to everything there is a season and a time to what? Every purpose under heaven. Meaning that God has a purpose for you, but hey, time is attached to that purpose. And when we say time is attached to purpose, we mean that in two ways. The first I have explained. The second is that you would need to be very, very judicious and very wise with the way you use your time on the face of the earth to fulfill your purpose. Amen. Now in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 11, the Bible tells us that I returned and I saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill. But what happens to everybody? Time and chance, time and opportunity happens to them all. Meaning that the race is not to the swift. It is not always the fastest person that wins the race because the person might be running in the wrong direction. He says the battle is not to the strong. Well, we just spoke of David and Goliath. <laughs> Neither yet bread to the wise. If you read this chapter further, it tells us about a poor man that saved the whole city through his wisdom, but the guy still remained poor. He says, yet riches to men of understanding, and yet favor to men of skill. But there is something that every single human being that arrives the face of this earth, they have in common. And that is what? Time and opportunity, chance. Everybody has time. Everybody has opportunity. It is not true that opportunity once lost never comes back. In Christ, it is even more different. God can bring that opportunity again, again, and again. But the difference is what you do with your time. So if you read the 12th verse, the very first part of the 12th verse, he says what? For this is the tragedy. For man also knoweth what? Not his time. Man is not paying attention to the way he or she uses time. That is the bigger problem. Anybody looking at David and Goliath would have thought that what David did that day was a fluke. But you see, it was a product of the time that David had invested in practice. What he did there, it looked like genius being manifested. But you see, David had invested time in slinging stones, invested time and time and time. Chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, you read that God sent Samuel to anoint David as king. Because at that time, God had rejected King Saul. And so God said David, Samuel should go anoint David as king. So David already had the anointing in chapter 16 to become king of Israel. But you read the same chapter 15 toward the end. The Bible says that when the Spirit of God came upon David, the Spirit of God departed from Saul. And an evil spirit came upon Saul. And they were talking in the palace. And they said, we need a man to come and play. And then the evil spirit would lift. And they said, let's look for a man who is skillful. Somebody said, I know somebody who is skillful. Who was the person they called? David. Because he had invested time. So it's chapter 17. He had invested time. If David never killed Goliath, he might never have found his way to the throne. How quickly 
as he did in the preceding verses. What am I trying to tell us? That the way we use our time is extremely important to the fulfillment of God's purpose for our lives. You see, there are two main seasons in the life of every man. There is the season of preparation and there is the season of expression or manifestation. You must be smart enough to know when it is time for you to prepare and you invest the time to prepare. So that when your season of expression or manifestation comes, when the opportunity to meet a Goliath comes, you won't also run away. You would have the skill you need to take down Goliath. Amen. You see, time is an element that God created in Genesis chapter 1 verse 14. Time is one of the very important elements that God has given us to materialize our purpose on the face of the earth. Everybody you see today and you respect and you call a genius has only invested time in doing something that a lot of other people would not. There is something they scientifically call the 10,000 hour rule, meaning that they've studied and they did a study, a trend, and they discovered that everybody who has become a genius in a particular field or an expert in a particular field has invested at least 10,000 hours doing that thing that people call the person an expert on. I mean, everybody from di- different fields, from IT, the Bill Gates of this world, the in sports, the Messi's of this world, the Ronaldo's of this world, they've all invested time in doing something that other people would not do. Praise the Lord. You see, you must understand that when God created you, God had a purpose in mind, but God expects you to become the best of all he created you to become. Amen. Praise the Lord. So God gave us time to become all that he created us to be. When we misuse time, the truth is that we are misusing our life. And the person that we annoy the most, I use those words in inverted commas, is God and not even us. Generations will suffer because people are not using their time well. When you refuse to invest and use your time wisely, It is not only you that suffers. The kingdom of God suffers. God himself suffers because he had a purpose in mind for sending you to the face of the earth. Then the people that would have benefited from you becoming all that he created you to become would also suffer. So when you put on the TV and you see people crying, people, all the tragedies in the world, you might be the reason. Praise the Lord. You might just be the reason. Amen. Praise God. Now, in Psalms 90, verse 12, David understood this. Actually, Moses. Moses wrote Psalms 90. And Moses, after meditating very deeply, Moses said, Lord, teach us to number our days, that we might apply our hearts to wisdom. You see, numbering your days is different from counting your days. When you number something, the same way Jesus said, he says, every hair on your head is numbered. It's different from is counted. Numbered means when you go to the barber shop and the barber takes off a part of your hair, God knows the strand. That was strand 5,822 that fell. He's no, every strand is numbered. So when God says, Moses says, teach us to number our days, means teach us to live every single day of our life with a lot of purpose. I want to conclude by talking to us about 
the six enemies of effectively using our time. Six enemies of effectively using our time. Of course, there could be more, but I've just chosen to talk about six. Number one, yielding to distractions. Distractions. It's an enemy of time. Life is crushed and jammed with distractions. There's a book I bought some months back. And as I was reading the book, I mean, it occurred to me that there were lots of things that I thought were not distractions that are distractions, i.e., your phone can be a distraction. Your phone can be a distraction. Social media can be a distraction. It has its uses, but it can be a distraction. Just scrolling through Facebook and Instagram, seeing people's faces, what to buy and what not to buy. <laughs> Just say, ah, two hours has gone. Ah. Two hours can be a distraction. So yielding to distractions can be an enemy of effectively using our time. In the book I bought, the title of the book is Focus. And the person, the writer of that book was talking about how our phones, the things we do on our phones, especially social media, has helped us to become very antisocial. So you have five people sitting in a room, and all of them, immediately they sit down, everybody brings out their phone. They are not talking to each other. They are not, I mean, and unknown to them. They are just in another one. Everybody is in their phones. And I decided to try it. So I went for, I went for, I went for an event and we went as a team in my office. All of us, about eight or so of us, we went out. So we were all talking before we got there. As we all sat around the table, I just kept quiet and I started to look. Everybody just brought out their phones. And I was amazed that we are losing a very important moment. I might never sit with you on this particular day again. In fact, some people have become so distracted, even in church, while the message is going on. Facebook. Ah, that WhatsApp message. Sometimes what has been designed to help us can become a distraction. Too much TV, African magic, Bollywood can be a distraction. Okay, are we all guilty? <laughs> Praise the Lord. The Bible says, let your eyes be single and your body will be full of light. There are lots of things you can observe from people around you. There are lots of things you can learn from people around you. There are conversations you can start. You never know. Maybe the thing you are looking for, the person that was sitting next to you, might just have the answer. But you were gone on your phone. Maybe the person was also gone on their phone. And you guys never talk about it. Yielding to distractions. Number two, lazy sleep. I've chosen to qualify it, not just sleep. And there's a reason why. Because sleep in itself is not a bad thing. Right? I've discovered that what is Terrible is what you do when you wake up from that sleep. So lazy sleep, for example, there's an animal called the sloth. That's where we get slothfulness from. 
Right? It is that animal. It was from that animal. They got slothfulness. The animal is called the slot. Do you know why? Because that animal sleeps between 15 to 20 hours every day. And when the animal wakes up, he just lies down around <laughs> till he sleeps again. <laughs> so they call that animal the slot. Now, people will say, ah, that animal sleeps a lot. But do you know that a lion sleeps 18 to 20 hours also every day? But the lion is called the king of the jungle. In fact, God looked at all the animals and said, you know what? I'm the lion of the tribe of Judah. <laughs> God was so proud of that creature. So if the lion sleeps about 15 to 20 hours, sloth sleeps 15 to 20 hours, what is the difference? The difference is what they do when they wake up. When a lion wakes up, he goes after purpose. Those four hours, bang, 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 bang. Achieve this purpose, comes back to sleep. Why sloth wakes up? He's just looking around. <laughs> I remember when I was, <laughs> I heard the story of something that happened in my university where, where I did my first degree. So this lady, she said she studied vet, veterinary medicine. So she said part of their courses would be to go to the zoo. And so after teaching them all the theory in class, so they take them to the zoo, show them the lion, they look hand. So what they would typically would do would, is to shoot the lion with the tranquilizer. That's something that will make the lion sleep. Then the lion will sleep, so they will come around, look at all the futures, and they will go. So on this particular day, they shot this lion with the tranquilizer. The lion fell down and was sleeping. Well, so they thought. So <laughs> they got in. The lecturer took, you know, the stool, a stool and sat down. The lion was in front of the lecturer, and the students were all standing behind. And lo and behold, Mr. Lion just stood up. <laughs> they said, that my friend, was, she, was, she was part of those standing behind. She said, all of them, they just discovered they were outside. <laughs> and all they could hear was the lecturer saying, if this height will end, no problem. <laughs> no problem. You know, he was sitting, so it's more difficult to start. <laughs> They said the lion looked at him, and you know lions, they have very bad eyesight. So the lion looked at him, staggered, staggered, and just landed again and slept. The lecture finished. The lecture, <laughs> we'll teach you the theory. Go and look for the rest. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So the truth is, so lazy sleep is the problem. What do you do when you wake up? Because people's bodies are been programmed to take sleep in different ways. There are some people that sleep four hours, they are five, some five, some six, and doctors have told us the recommended hours. Even, I don't know if they obey it, but, you know. But what's important is what you do when you wake up. Praise the Lord. So lazy sleep can be an enemy of time. So waking up and just lounging. Number three, not following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Not following the leading of the Holy Spirit can make you waste time. Because you must understand that the Holy Spirit is our advantage as believers. As a matter of fact, sorry, the Holy Spirit is the advantage that we have as believers. While people who are not saved would follow their instinct, or they will say they will follow their heart, we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And you see, the Holy Spirit is called the Wonderful Counselor. So the Holy Spirit has foresight of what can be and what can happen. 
He has the hindsight of what has happened. And he's with you today. So based on all that 3D perspective, he comes to you today and gives you an advice on what to do today. So we have that advantage. But the part I would really want to touch is that there are general ways the Holy Spirit leads every believer. We've spoken about that. I think the last time I had the opportunity to minister, I think I spoke along those lines. And pastor has spoken about it a lot. So I want you can get the messages to know that. But I also want you to know that there are specific ways the Holy Spirit leads us as individuals. And the only way you can know is by just studying the trends of your life. There are certain people that the Holy Spirit leads them in an atmosphere. It is your responsibility to know. There are certain people like me, I mean... The Holy Spirit leads me through, I mean, one of the ways he leads me is through events. Things can happen in different places and through different people. And I stand at a particular spot and he just connects everything. I don't know how it happens. I don't know. So somebody can be talking to me now. And while the person is talking to me, I just see a connection between this happened, that happened, this happened. This happened and this is why this person is talking to you now. I don't know how. It just happens. But I've studied the trend in my life. There are people like that. I mean, there are people that it is an atmosphere of quietness. So sometimes, so people like that, after you've prayed and after you've done all the rabba-ba-ba-ba-shadaba and you've done all of that, it's good to just sit down and be still. And you'll be amazed at some thoughts that will come to your heart. Find what works for you as an individual. It's very important. You will save a lot of time and you will not parabolate around. And I also want to mention that the fact that somebody received a vision to be led by God does not mean that you also need to receive a vision. And it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is leading you in a less spiritual way. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because in the journey of life, you cannot compare yourself with another person. The Bible says in the book of 2 Corinthians 10, 12, it says they're comparing themselves with themselves are not wise. Find your own uniqueness and what, and you'll be amazed at the results in your life. People will be wondering. You will save a lot of time. Number four, procrastination. We know what procrastination is. I will do it tomorrow. I will do it. Captain D spoke about that in the morning, right? I will do it tomorrow. I will do it. Time is going. I will do it. I will do it. The truth is where you are may not be the best place for you, but it's always the best place to start from. So start. Number five, association. The association you keep a lot of times determines how well you use your time. Proverbs 13.20 says that he that walketh with the wise shall what? Ensure that you do not let offenses to destroy your relationships. Because there is a reason why God brought the people in your life into your life. 
And if you are keeping company with certain people, and you know that these people are not taking me anywhere, my brother, my sister, please look for a new company. Be smart about your life. Be very smart. Number six, which is the last. Being negative about life is a time waster. Rather than complaining and complaining, always ask yourself, so what is the solution? What is the way forward? Whenever anything happens that you do not desire to happen, happens. Well, it has happened. There is, what has happened has happened. But brothers and sisters, God has given you today to create the kind of future you want. So rather than cry over spilt milk, sit down and ask yourself, what is solution? The solution. Enter into solution mode. And move on. Rather than complaining and complaining and remaining negative. Ensure that you are the kind of person who always sees life from the perspective of the glasses half filled, not half empty. In conclusion, I would like to tell you the story of the Japanese and fresh fish. I can see lots of people like fresh fish. Yeah. The way you laughed. Yeah. <laughs> now, the Japanese have always liked fresh fish. But you know the sad part of it? The waters around their island, or where this, the, 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 their territory, has not held many fresh fish for a very long time. So you know what the Japanese would do? Their fishermen would build very big boats and they will go into the sea to get fresh fish and to bring fresh fish to sell. But they discovered that when they do that, before they get to the land, the fishes would have died. And the Japanese, they liked fresh, fresh, emphasis on fresh fish. So what they did was for the fishermen to install freezers on the boats. So the boats will go with the freezers, catch lots of fish, and bring, come, bring them. But they discovered that even after that, there was a difference between frozen fish and fresh fish. The Japanese like what? Fresh fish, not frozen fish. So the market was not booming. So the fishermen sat down and they deliberated. What else can we do? They said, okay, you know what? Rather than installing freezers, we would install big water tanks. So when we catch the fish, we'll put them in it. They'll be alive in where we're coming to land. But they now discovered that when they do that, because of the distance of where they've gone to catch all the fish and where the land is, by the time the fishes, they got to land, the fishes were tired. They were not tasting fresh anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so they sat down to deliberate. And then they decided to do something. They decided that after they've caught all the fishes they want to catch, they would introduce a small shark inside the big um, tank of water. Now you're laughing. Now what would the tank, what would the shark do? The shark would be chasing the fish. <laughs> and the fish will be, to survive, they'll be active. When they get to land, they'll be very fresh. <laughs> and that's how they've solved their problem. What am I trying to say? You see, there are lots of times that in living our lives, we experience the shark experience, that something comes into our lives that we do not really want. 
And a lot of times, those things would look like pain. But you see, there are some pain that God has programmed into your life to stretch you and make you a better person. There are some pain that obviously is not God's will for your life. It takes the Holy Spirit to know the difference. So that you won't waste time with a pain that is not from God. And you'll be saying, this is how God wants it. And God is looking at you and wondering, you're wasting time, my brother and my sister. You need God's Spirit. Who is our advantage? The advantage. To know the difference. And to know how to remain joyful in the midst of the process And more importantly, understand the purpose for that season. There are some of us who are in a season in our lives. It's not God's will for us to be in that season. There are some of us who are in a season in our lives. It is God's purpose for you to be in that season because of where he's taking you to. You need an experience. You need to be joyful and you need to understand that that season is not a negative season, but a season of preparation. And nest all the lessons you can from that season and fulfill your purpose in God. I would want you to pray two prayers. Number one, Father, I repent for all the times that I've wasted. All the times I've wasted, I repent. And number two, Father, give me the wisdom to use my time wisely. Very simple prayers. Let's pray. Father, I repent for every time that I have wasted in the past. But you are a God of mercy. So this morning, I ask that you give me the wisdom to use my time wisely. Wisely. Teach me to number my days. Teach me to number my days. Teach me Give me wisdom to use my time wisely so that I can fulfill that purpose which you created me to fulfill. I want to be the best that you have created me to be. I want to be all that you've created me to be. Lord, teach me to seize every moment and make the best use of it. In Jesus' great name we've prayed. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching. We believe you have been blessed. Worship with us at David's Court, number 25 Mojidi Street, off Touring Street, Ikeja, Lagos. On Sundays, our first service starts by 8 a.m. and our second service by 10 a.m. While our midweek service starts by 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Go and do great things. God bless you.